Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 25 years. I'm a life coach, fantasy author, and engineer. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. Hi, I'm Jesse Tugney, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 10 years now. I'm currently a student at Montana State and learning more and more about how our world works. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, feature members of the type 1 community who are just like you, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 130 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking about college drinking culture and how you as type 1 diabetics can navigate it safely. I have the win this week, and my win is that I went on a pre-dawn hike with a friend in the snow. So this was before sunrise, it was completely pitch black, and it was also pretty foggy. So um, having headlamps and just like bright lights with us was really nice because then, you know, you don't get lost in the snow. My blood sugars behaved the entire time, and I only had two Smarty Rolls. So that was really nice. I was on exercise mode. It was before I had breakfast, and I had no lows, and I didn't even get near a low. I think the lowest I saw my blood sugar was like 110. And we were on the hike for about an hour, had a couple of dogs with us. Pretty proud of my numbers for that one. <laughs> Jesse, what's your failure this week? So my failure is related to college and not my diabetes because I have been on like harp about staying on it this week because well the new semester started so that was great and I had gotten back to Bozeman a few days ahead of the classes starting so I scoped out and none of the buildings were open so I couldn't like go in and find the classrooms but I did find the buildings which is great until I regretted my choice to not try and get into some of the buildings later or like try and find the classrooms when I got lost this morning so Apparently, one of my yoga meditation classes is in the basement of the math and science department building. So that was really confusing. It's the only That's one a in the basement. weird place for a class like that. It is, but it isn't because MSU's athletic center is being rebuilt right now. And like there's, there's no front to it. So it makes sense. And I don't want to be in the snow. So anyways, what's your hack, Colleen? So the hack this week is uh, related to drinking. If you're on a college campus, you might not need a designated driver, especially if you're within walking distance of college bars. Um, College bars won't be on campus, but they'll be in college towns. That's what makes them a college bar. And they could be in walking distance of where you live. So instead of having a designated driver... Have a designated friend who stays sober, who can keep an eye on you and remind you to check your blood sugar. Ask if you're okay, if you're, if you start acting strange. Maybe if you have a receiver for your uh, CGM, give them the receiver so that they can see your blood sugars. So something where somebody else knows what your numbers are besides you. And just uh, like an overall caveat to this entire episode, you do not have to drink to have fun. (laughs) That is. People, some people don't understand that, but that is really the truth is that you do not have to drink to have fun. Honestly, it's just fun being around drunk people sometimes because they're just 
a hoot and you're just sitting there like, okay, I'm, I'm babysitting now. Anyways. <laughs> My husband, when he is drunk or tipsy, is one of the funniest people I've ever met. It's so funny. But I'm, I'm the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be talking about drinking with diabetes and what that might look like specifically for college-age kids or people who are kind of living on campus or, you know, just college sphere. So these are tips and tricks to either get out of drinking or if you are drinking, some things you want to keep in mind when you're intoxicated. Also, as a side note, there are many different types of alcohols and they're all going to affect you and your blood sugars very, very differently. And one thing that I have learned, not from personal experience, is that they will affect you the next day and probably for the next two days, depending on how much you drink of what and if you're mixing alcohols, which... Be careful when you're doing that. It can lead to some fun adventures, but a lot of bruises. (laughs) Okay. So my experiences with college and drinking culture, I'm still underage. I'm 19. So I'm not going to be sharing any personal stories like from me being drunk or because I don't, but this is like me being around people who have been drunk or do decide to drink, which I don't have problems with. I'm happy to be the responsible person when they definitely need it. So some things I've kind of experienced are parties, like basement parties, just going and having fun. I've never been to a frat or sorority party. I'm very thankful for that, though, because I've heard they're really gross and like just nasty. So that's that's something we're going to avoid. And then there's also dorm room parties. Like my campus doesn't allow alcohol on it. So... This isn't dorms here in this case, or like, I don't know how to say this, but they're dorm room parties. So (laughs) people sneak stuff in and stuff like that. I have friends who have fake IDs. I don't, I don't want one really. I don't think it's a very good idea, especially if you get caught and then they report you to university or stuff like that, where you can get scholarships or on probation or stuff taken away where otherwise you might have like some sort of stability. And then I do want to say this drunk words are sober thoughts. Most of the time, this is very true. And then if you bring it up to them and they said something really not, they're not supposed to be saying or something bad about you to your face and they're very drunk and you bring it up to them when they're sober, you will get the full truth at that point because <laughs> they already told you. <laughs> And then frats and sororities, although I'm not in a frat or a sorority and I'm not part of Greek culture, and I would say they're very notorious for drinking and doing stuff like that, being the party center of like college towns and stuff like that. I would say, although underage stuff, keep that in mind, I would say like if you're going to, at least the frats here try and make it a safe space for you to be able to experiment with like your limits and what different alcohols might do and what the party life is. So they try and make it a safe environment for you to go crazy. So it's like doing dangerous things safely, which is a little contradiction, but it's all good. So I tell people that I went to Washington State University, especially if they're familiar with the college And then I tell them I never went to a party. They're like, but that's the party school. I'm like, yeah, okay. I was, I never, like, I never went to a party. I think the only 
thing that could be considered close to a party that I went to was, I think it was like a movie night put on by Honor Society or Honor Sorority. And they're like, they're straight laced. If they're going to have alcohol, it's going to be in a like, very controlled environment. I think you and I are like super responsible people who just don't want to get involved with all of the illegal stuff with drinking underage and all of that hullabaloo. Because I did not drink at all except for like communion wine or sips from my parents' glass, uh, like wine glasses until I was 21. I hate beer. I've always hated the smell and the taste of beer. Every time my dad had a beer, I would like sniff from the top just to make sure I still hated it. <laughs> I'm like, yep, still smells bad. <laughs> but when I turned 21, and that was in 2014, and that was actually the year I graduated. So most of my college career was underage, which is kind of funny. But when I turned 21, I got my horizontal driver's license because that's that tells people that you're, you know, you're overage. And then I bought a bottle of white Zinfandel wine by Barefoot. That was it's my favorite wine. And I only knew it was my favorite wine because of controlled drinking environments when I was growing up in the house with parents and family members. So it was never something that I did outside of the home. And like that's kind of really stayed that way. Nowadays, the most I drink is honestly not that much. It's usually when I'm trying trying new scotches and out at restaurants. And then Tim, my husband, drives home. So in terms of like college drinking culture, I don't have a ton of experience, especially because I also don't have a ton of experience with the peer pressure that most people do when they go through college and they experience that drinking culture. I don't know if I was just the type of person that kind of put people off from trying to peer pressure me, or maybe I just hung out with people who weren't like that, which is like, you know, great decision making for younger self. But I never really experienced that peer pressure that that some of you who are listening might be feeling, especially in college. And I would just say for my advice for peer pressure is to always stay true to yourself. If you are going to drink underage, which we do not recommend, but we know reality happens and some people are going to do it. If you choose to, make sure it is your choice. Make sure you're not doing it to please someone else or try to get into the good graces of somebody else or try to impress somebody else. So Every decision you make, especially with this kind of thing, has to be something that you make for you. And I'm just going to say this really quickly, and then I'll give it back to Colleen. So basically, this very much applies to people that you might be trying to date or go on dates with or trying to impress. So, and the reason that I say that is because, one, girls will do this where they're trying to impress the guy and like have a like an extra glass of wine and not wine but like they want to seem like they're fun and like outgoing and you probably are on your own you should not feel pressured to drink or do something you don't want to do just to impress somebody because if they were actually worth dating or actually worth your time they wouldn't care like if you're drinking or not they would think that you're cool either way. And same thing goes for guys too. Like if you're trying to show off for that girl at beer pong and you're totally sloppy drunk and you're missing all the shots, well, I'm sorry, but we girls don't find that part impressive. We just find the actual accuracy impressive and also your personality. So there you go. That's my two cents. <laughs> I may have like accidentally impressed a former coworker by ordering just a scotch neat at a conference. And he's like, dang, except he didn't say dang, he said the other thing. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> with like I was just ordering my drink and he was apparently impressed and I didn't even try and I wasn't trying. It's just I was doing that for me and he he actually thought it was cool. But that was all I had. Let's move on to parties. <laughs> Cuz I don't have experience with those. <laughs> so parties I um have a little bit more experience with being at parties and stuff like that. This is sometimes where I've seen like some or where not most, but the most frequent peer pressure that I've seen probably come out because when you're with friends and they probably don't want to drink by themselves or be the only one drunk or drinking, or they want you to drink. So you, they make sure that you're having a good time too. Now, this is just where I've seen more of like the peer pressure situations or like people won't necessarily stop and like when they're drunk because they don't understand what they're saying or they don't understand that you mean no. And sometimes things get kind of mixed in translation a little bit. So instead of just being like, no, no, I'm fine. Just be like, no, I'm good. Or if they're really persistent, go to a kitchen or go to somewhere where there's red solo cups and water and fill it up with water and say it's vodka and then you're good to go because that'll get them off your chest and they won't know the difference and you'll still be sober. So, but you should be good with that. Yeah. Parties is mainly where stuff comes out. It's where you meet new people and you want to be impressive or other people want to be impressive and they don't, aren't necessarily used to drinking. So, you know, just stuff comes out. This is also mainly where I've seen a lot of drama happen at parties and stuff like that, where like, drunk words, sober thoughts. So like, this is where I've seen that happen at. And that's about it. Cause I really don't go to parties that much, but I've, I've been to a couple, but never like gotten drunk or anything like that. So yes. Okay. So now if you are going to drink and you're underage, or if you haven't drank before, or this is, uh, we, Colleen and I are your only resources for drinking. Here are some tips to say safe while you're drinking. So drink water in between alcohols. Meaning like if you have a 12 ounce bottle of beer, then you should have that much or double that in water. I know some people who are like, no, that'll break the seal. That'll break the meaning like you'll have to go pee. So either way, you're going to have to pee. You're drinking liquid and your body's not functioning at hundred percent. So either way, you're going to need to pee. So just drink water. This really helps with flushing out your kidneys too and making like preventing any like damage that could occur when you're drinking. At this point, it's kind of worth it to mention that any type of alcohol is actually a low level poison to your body. Right. So everything she's saying about drinking water to flush it out, like get your kidneys working, that's because your body is flushing out literal poison. Yeah. It just sometimes makes us feel good. Yeah. (laughs) And with that being said, having food too and high sodium foods, if you're drunk and you're trying to sober up or if you're, you've been drinking and you are like, I need, I want to leave or like, I want to go do something else. And you're trying to just sober up a little bit more, eat food. The only thing that will get alcohol out of your system is time though. So even though you may feel like walking, oh yeah, I'm totally sober. And then you get behind a wheel and you're dizzy or you know you shouldn't be driving, do not drive. Instead, go walk around, go find the food truck with the extra salty potato chips and salsa. Like literally just get some food in your body because your brain's going to think better. 
and it'll give you something to do in the meantime while you're trying to sober up and not go crazy. The food thing is also like why I don't drink almost at all anymore. It's basically just because of timing. I eat in the morning for intermittent fasting and I don't want to drink in the morning. So, and I also don't want to drink on an empty stomach. So I very rarely have alcohol anymore unless I'm going out to dinner with friends. And then if you want to leave, just leave. Honestly, like you, yes, you might have gone with friends and yes, they might be drinking. And, but the thing is, is like, if you feel uncomfortable at any point, you should not be responsible for your adult friends or your high school friends. And I know that's like a really hard lesson for a lot of people to learn, but if you can get them out, like if you're uncomfortable and you're sober and they're drunk and then don't realize like something is happening or like there's some safety thing, try and get them out if you can. But if you are that uncomfortable and you do not want to stay, just leave. Like you, you can do an Irish goodbye, which is just leaving without saying goodbye to anybody. And then with that being said, let somebody know where you are, share a location and know your emergency route. Meaning like if you're at a frat house and you know, it's two blocks from your dorm room, find out or look for the buildings or the lights, walk towards your dorm room, know what street you're on. And then just because Bozeman here is pretty small. So if you know what direction you're going, great. And that's only if you don't have your phone or your phone's not fully charged, which brings me to my next point of charge your phone. Make sure it's at least 75% full when you go out because of stuff like this or because, you know, just because of all of this stuff. So, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, the last one for safety is if you do, if you like have your car there with you, but you don't want to drive home, call an Uber. Call an Uber, call a Lyft. Those services exist for a reason. And you will can just you can get your car the next morning. It's not worth the the risk of driving when you're drunk. Just don't do it. So what I want to talk about now is making rules for yourself ahead of time. So if you are planning to go out drinking with friends or whatever, this will apply if you're underage or not. But again, we do not recommend at all to drink when you're underage. Just gonna keep hammering that. For, so if If you have someone around with you, make sure that they know what your limits are. And that's actually going to require you to know what your limits are. And to find out your limits, make sure you're drinking in a safe location with safe people until you know what those limits are and make sure that other people know what your limits are. So for me, if anybody was out to dinner with me, my limit is literally one glass of scotch. Because after one glass, I get too giggly to really care about anything else. And if I'm having wine, it's like two glasses of wine, maybe one. I'm kind of a lightweight. There. Everybody knows now. Whatever. So the next one is to tell someone that you are drinking or if you're going to drink. And then also tell them at what point you want to be done. So this will tie into you deciding ahead of time how much you want to drink, what you want to drink, and at what point you know you want to stop. So let's say you plan to go out and have like two beers with friends. Once you have that second beer, you're not having any more. That is a decision that you have made ahead of time, but your drunk brain might not remember that. So you need to have somebody with you. Maybe it's that designated friend or another friend who can uh, who has a higher limit than you 
Make sure they know what your limit is and ask them to stop you from getting more before it gets to that point where you've ended up having like five beers and you really can't drive home now. So just decide ahead of time what you want to drink and make sure that you stick to that. So that's going to be something that might take practice, especially if you haven't done it before. But having other people around you who are willing to help you out with that is really going to help with following that rule for you. And it kind of also applies if you're drinking in your, like either your apartment on campus. At Jesse's college, the dorms don't allow alcohol, but there might be a college out there where alcohol is allowed in the dorms. I don't know. I don't think I went to a college like that. But if you're like, if you're in a college apartment or an apartment in a college town and you decide to drink in your house or, or that apartment, make sure you know what your limits are again. Make sure you know how much you want to drink and then stop when you get there. Make sure your roommates know what's going on. So even if, even if you have the apartment to yourself while you're drinking, make sure you talk to somebody else, like uh, send your roommate a text, say, I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm home alone. I'm planning to have some drinks. Can you check on me maybe in a couple hours or something like that? Just make sure that other people are aware of what you're doing so that you don't get into a situation where if you need help, nobody knows what's going on. So yeah, that's what I've got about drinking at home. Okay. With that being said, underage pressure. So this is a real thing that I really didn't know about a ton until I got to college because quarantine pandemia land, I wasn't really going out or doing anything. But underage pressure, this can kind of be a shocker the first time you feel it. And you're just like, oh, what? No, I already said no. Or like, oh, I didn't really want to. But, eh." you know, like, you shouldn't have to convince yourself to do something. And that just is a rule for life, by the way. Dates, classes, food. Like, you shouldn't have to convince yourself to do something because that's literally your body telling you you don't want to do it. That being said, this is when fibbing and kind of doing a little white lie might come in handy. Meaning, if you don't want to drink, you don't want to be around people who are drunk and you are underaged or even not underaged and you're an adult and you don't want to, tell them it's because of your diabetes that you don't want to or you can't. Just be like, no, my blood sugar is too out of control. Or don't freak people out, but just be enough to where you get the message across. And they understand like, oh, it's because of her diabetes or because of his diabetes that he's not doing this. And that's okay. Let people believe that. Say that. Because if you don't want to do something, you don't have to. No is a full sentence too, by the way. So you can just be like, nah. I'm good. And then change the subject or like, no, I'm okay. Can I get you some water though? Just kind of turn it around back to them or like, oh my God. Like, cause no offense, when people are drunk, they're really stupid and very gullible. <laughs> and I mean this in the most respectful way possible, but you know, so literally just be like, no, but you know who is drunk and totally oversell it because to them, That's all they want really is just the energy to go do something or to have something else to focus on. So just kind of turn around, turn the attention off of you in that kind of regard. But yeah, you, you, if you don't want to, you shouldn't. And if you're not comfortable with using your diabetes as the excuse to not drink, your other option is to get, just get really comfortable with saying no and then feeling uncomfortable afterwards. 
So you don't have to be feeling comfortable when you say no or when you refuse something. I mean, that feeling of discomfort in your body is there for a reason. Let it be there. It doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. So you don't need to try to justify your no to them because honestly, people like that don't, don't need any justification. You don't need to justify to anybody why you're choosing not to drink. So I think that might have actually been why I didn't get a lot of peer pressure is because if, if people ever asked me or said I should, I think I was just so confident in my, no, I'm not interested that they just never tried again. And it never really occurred to me that, <laughs> that that's what was happening. Cause I'm, maybe I was just oblivious, but that, that might have been why I never really experienced that was because I was just so good at saying, no, I'm just not interested and not making it a big deal. Any other thoughts on that? Don't drink and drive. Be responsible. <laughs> what other advice have my parents given me? Check your blood sugar before you go out. Oh, God, please check your blood sugar before you go out. Or at least, like, wear your CGM, bare minimum. Like, know how much insulin you have left. God, Jesus. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's pe- diabetics who I hang out with, no names, like, no, and they've gotten drunk. And I'm just sitting there with them the next day, and I'm just like, how did you live? How, uh, who, who is responsible with this? How, how, and just, just, just being like, I love you, but you're so dumb. So don't be dumb. Or if you are dumb, make sure somebody else is not the end. Even that's all that, I have. Even if yeah. dumbness only happens when you have been drinking. Well, the spotlight this week is on College Diabetes Network's off-to-college resource that's designed for type 1 diabetics who are going into their university years. And in it, they give some advice about drinking alcohol with diabetes. So you can find the link to that resource in the show notes. That's the question for our lovely audience this week. All right. Our question for you guys is, if you're out of college, our question to you is, how did you handle college drinking culture and your diabetes together? And if you're in college or going there soon, what are some impressions that of the scene that you've gotten that you're kind of worried about? We're here to answer your questions. And since I'm in college right now, I'm sure I've experienced it at this point. So, And I can just ask my husband because he had more <laughs> experience with that than I did. All right. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 130. That's the number 130. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. The ups and downs of type 1 diabetes are going to happen no matter what. I help my clients learn how to not let those ups and downs ruin the rest of of their day. If you're interested in finding out more about working with me, you can follow me on Instagram at inspiredforward or visit my website at inspiredforward.com. And guess what? We're on Instagram. Our handle is at this is type one pod. That is the number one. Just search us up and it comes right, right, right there, right on your, your search history. So we'll be there. Uh, we post content pretty frequently on a regular basis. So if you want to stay updated, that's a really good way to do so. I'm personally on Instagram as at JJ underscore crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or even about the show. And then if you do reach out on Instagram, please make sure you let me know that you're a listener of the show and let me know your favorite episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you.
If you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.